All right. Um, Starting out, I want to I want to give a a patented horror hot take that I'm always giving out on these on on this show. But uh, did you read the details of HBO's announced lineup recently? Sorry, not HBO Max's. Uh, no, no Max. Yes, to the Max. HBO's um, dead, <laughs> dead and gone. I guess not, it technically I mean, exists, I saw that. but yeah. But uh, I can't think of anything else specific that it was. Just my horror hot take because I, I definitely I am so sick of these announcements. Um, it goes beyond horror, but there was a couple horror ones in this list of just hey, we're taking this movie series and now it's going to be a shitty ten part season oh, yeah. of television. I'm so sick of it. Like already. Well, we had uh, our friend Fuzz in the Discord pointed me to you that they're doing a RoboCop, which RoboCop. is they just I, you did... know it could. It, it could be done well. That's the thing. But if, it's not going to be though. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to. If instead of like the remake where they were trying to update it, but if you keep that kind of weird uh, Paul Verhoeven mentality, yeah. I think there is a lot to mine out of it. If they change the look of RoboCop, they've already failed. It was peak perfection in that first movie and everything else has right. just been gross. And it doesn't, like, when you look at his design today, and maybe it's just me, maybe it's nostalgia, but, like, it doesn't look outdated, his look. You know what I mean? Not like, really, it still no. looks sleek and cool and technological, you know what I mean? Like, it it kind of fits. I don't, I didn't hate his design in the, in the remake when he had the visor down. Anytime it showed his full face, right. you're like, it was a, a major disaster. I mean, he, I and, liked and the, it when it was gray. The, yeah, exactly, yes. It yeah. looked, looked pretty good. And the fleshy hand was a big... I understood what they were doing there, but it, it really didn't work. Um, mm-hmm. So, no, yeah, we're, that's going to be bad. Uh, I, I honestly don't see a Conjuring series that they announced being very good or in its prequel series. Like, that, I'm just like, come well, on. Yeah, that one had been for a while. Yes, I, that's been a rumor for sure. Yeah. But, like, I, I, I don't want it, you know? I just did, they did a Basic Instinct series recently, or or they, I don't know if it actually already They're coming out, out, I believe. They yeah. announced it. Uh, Fatal Attraction. Well, you know, they even tried to do the Stephen King, you know, extended universe with Castle Rock, and it the first season was interesting. I, I wouldn't necessarily yeah. say great. And I never finished the second one, even though I'm a big fan of Lizzie Kaplan. And Tim I Robbins, them, yeah, I was exactly. just like, love them uh... both. Yeah, I know. I I watched the pilot and it never really grabbed me. Like it was just whatever. I I don't know. I I'm so out on TV. Just like my brain doesn't seem to just latch on to TV shows the way it does the movies. I, yeah, I have. I like, really I struggle wanna, finishing them. <laughs> I want a distinct ending. Like I want a, right. a a point where it's like, okay, this is done. Um, I, you know, I haven't even finished Last of Us. I got like four episodes in and I love the game. It was, it's really good. It's just, it's long, man. I know. I don't have to keep coming back to the same thing. I also, exactly. That's, I mean, that's the thing. Coming back to the same thing over and over. Like. I haven't watched any Mandalorian this, this year so far. And well, that one, geez. (laughs) Uh, I I don't want to say, because we've, we've seen how bad Star Wars TV series can get in the past couple years. Like, the bar is pretty low, honestly, after uh, Boba Fett and Obi-Wan. I would say Season 3 of The Mandalorian clears that bar most of the time. There have okay. been moments in this new season where just like, what happened? Like, 
what is going on with with this direction of this thing and the pacing of these episodes that's just a big thing for me too i feel like so many series you go like, okay we're it's 10 hour long episodes and they have no idea how to pace that out to make it interesting that's just right. that that's that's a huge struggle i have with a lot of tv there are certain things that get it and i'm able to make it through like i i'm a fan of the boys that's the last like you know yeah. Sort of prestige t- and even the cult prestige is funny considering what that show is. But like kind of big and budget production. There's like buckets yeah. and buckets of cum. And and blood. The, I mean it's, it's so gory. Exactly, yeah. yes. And it, but it's also it's so gory too, <laughs> uh, which I appreciate. But that's the last series where it's like I didn't mind the length of it, and I thought that each episode even there's even some filler in that too. But like for the most part, each episode has a distinct like plot that's happening you know as well as the overall one from the whole season each episode felt like you know okay in this episode things are set up and pay off within this hour span as opposed to other seasons of tv where it's like we're gonna set something up episode two and we're gonna fuck around and not come back to it for like five episodes and yeah yeah and maybe maybe it's watching too much like x files and law and order and everything like i you know, you should be able to tell a story that has unending. Yeah. You can continue with characters and have, like, an overarching plot, but you gotta give me something to care about and then wrap that up by the episode. Yeah, what's what's doing great, what the, the other one doing well with that, and I need to get back to it, um, is uh, Poker Face. I thought that's been a, doing a really good job mm. of being little contained stories with an things. overarching one, too, yeah. Yeah, I like it. It's not uh, perfect, but it's fun. <laughs> was it you or somebody else that was like, it's basically a remake of Columbo? It is. I mean, like one hundred percent. It's that's what that's what it is. Yeah, um, it's. I'd say there's other things mixed in there aside from Columbo because it's a little like it does m- remind me of there was a Tim Roth series like an on Fox. Why to a, me? Exactly. Yes, it's basically why yep. to me mixed with Columbo. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, hey, uh, to get... was <laughs> TV I, talk corner. Exactly. Um, and, geez, I, I don't mean to be so negative. I know there's, there's definitely good TV out there. Um, but just see, I, I, I'm not super confident in all the stuff that was announced. That's all I'm kind of saying. To talk about something, you know, a totally different landscape in terms of media, we're going all the way back to 1959 today on... The Weekly Podcast Massacre. Uh, my name is Greg, your host for today, and with me is... Hello, my name is Michael from Portland. Everyone calls me Murphy. Yeah, and here on the Weekly Podcast Massacre, we pick a different theme for each month. Uh, for April, we've picked Altered April 2. It's our, our second year in a row looking at movies that had to do with illicit substances, with uh, drugs, and and how filmmakers will pull fear and terrors out of that. Uh, primarily, we're focusing on... Uh, marijuana the first year and this month we've been doing like more psychoactive things uh, hallucinogens although last week we did heroin I mean I guess I kind of counted because he's doing a lot of hallucinating uh, well you know we don't we don't know exactly what mugwump jism does to a exa- person yeah, uh, is that a barbiturate you know. is it a yeah mm-hmm. who knows yeah like the central nervous system is greatly affected while you're on <laughs> mugwumpism. I've just been saying it all week just like randomly it. to myself. Yeah. Mugwumpism. I've been having Mugwumpism can't be beat. I've just been noticing uh the beats being referenced in a bunch of other media since I 
listened to yeah. Naked Lunch and watched and watched the movie. Like I, I've been, I've heard Kerouac referenced in like four different things I've watched. It's it's been weird. Uh, well, it's just because you've been listening to Billy Joel's "We Didn't Start the Fire" like yeah. on repeat. <laughs> Oh yes! Then, oh right? yeah, that's it. Yeah, whoops. Yeah, I forgot. My yeah, I, <laughs> I made a playlist that just says that for twenty four plus hours. I just run that and repeat. Um, uh, but yeah, yeah, they I, were very influential. I mean, seriously, I just I didn't understand. I mean, it, it kind of helps that back then there was more of a monoculture and like, you know, those guys it would is... go on TV and do interviews, and there's like, well, there's three channels, so most people watch yeah. them get interviewed. You know, you know, and before, uh, you know, the hippie culture, like they were kind of uh, counterculture. Yeah. E- even still, like when it was still so rigid of American culture, like just even being like, you know, maybe I don't want to just live in the suburbs. Maybe I want to drive across the country like seven times in three years. Yeah, well, tripping fucking balls the entire time, and like, yeah, yeah. exactly. And you know what? Naked Lunch last week was a pretty good segue into this because this movie came out the same year that Naked Lunch was first published, like in its. I wrote form. that down. Yeah, yeah, 1959. I'm talking about the Tingler today, classic William Castle directed Vincent Price film. Um, Can you imagine if Vincent Price and William S. Burroughs were like locked in a room together? I mean, I'm sure like they had. I that would be. I, I would love that so much. I'm sure they had some interaction, just being like celebrities on the circuit. You know what I mean? Like, I, <laughs> I kind of imagine it would be like the coffee and cigarettes part with uh, Tom Waits, yeah. and Iggy Pop, where they meet <laughs> and they're just like they're not gelling together. Right. It would be fucking really strange. Yeah. Uh, it's nowhere that near the same degree. But did you happen to read? There's an article a couple months ago where like. It was Nicolas Cage being interviewed by John Carpenter. Oh, no. Um, it was great. And they never worked together. They never worked together, but they in the interview, they talk okay. about how they're both like gushing over the other one. But that was a really oh. fun interview because, they, again, their energies are just totally different. Like, <laughs> yeah, Carpenter is such a fucking, like, kind of a jokester and like a little, like, provocateur during the whole thing. And it ends with him being like, "Let's start an acting college, like, or let's start like a like a like a show business college." But really, it's all this is Carpenter's words. Really, it's all just a scam to get people's money. He's like, "You'll teach acting, <laughs> and I'll teach directing, and we'll we'll basically do nothing. We'll do one class a week and make bank." And, and Cage is like, "No, you know, I want to like actually like teach the next people and actually pour my heart into like well." And, and Carpenter's like, "No, nah, let's just make money. Fuck it. <laughs> like, who cares?" Does Carpenter? not have enough money like i can only imagine i how much he has i know i I don't think he got uh, i don't think he was paid great when he was like in his prime and i think he's still salty about that you know sure yeah i get that but like the amount of halloweens that they have made oh totally time they have to come to him for the the money or like to give money for the permissions every time they use his score Mm-hmm. And like just the amount of like you know the revivals or anything, I I saw something uh, article yesterday talking about you know these streaming companies and how they are retaining services and how they paid Phoebe Waller Bridges sixty million dollars oh, yeah, yeah. for th- to hold her on for three years, and none of the things that she worked on were actually like produced, produced right, or like any of the stuff that she was you know giving and you know writing for. So it was just like sixty million dollars to work, like she's not doing nothing, yeah. but to not have anything come from it 
But man, sixty million dollars in three years. I know. Absolutely. And she's like forty something. Yeah. Ugh. Fucking crazy. Uh, I I wonder because I I I think it was partially funded by Amazon, but I wonder if she if part of that deal did include her writing No Time to Die because she like wrote a draft of that script. Right. Maybe. But also that I was pushed so. back. Not from the that article. Was, that was pushed back so much. Honestly, yeah, probably she probably got written that like ten years ago. <laughs> Right that, right, that got delayed a long ass time. Anyway, um, talking about Vincent Price and William Castle today, two fascinating figures in horror history. Um, first of all, we we've never discussed Vincent Price on this podcast. He hasn't come up in any of his movies. Uh, are you a big Vincent Price fan? Is he somebody that you've like caught a bunch of his, you know, his oeuvre? I have seen less than a handful. I would say probably. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the one that I grew up with and I knew him from was the creator in Edward Scissorhands. That right, was yeah. pretty much the first introduction that I ever had with him. Uh, Thriller is probably the the next closest one. And then I've like I've seen his Muppets episode. He's really good on the Muppets. He's, He's very so funny. good on the Muppets. Yeah, I've seen that's like uh, the one then, full episode of the Muppets I've seen actually. Yeah, and then just a couple random ones, like his uh, Poe adaptations, like he's in The Fall of the House of Usher, and one of the other ones, I want to say. Yeah, he did a lot of those. I saw The, the Monster Club, uh, which is kind of dumb but fun, and then I think this one. And I was kind of shocked, thinking that he's he's like 45 in this movie, Yeah, but he just has such an an old man heir to him that like you could tell me that he was 60 in this movie and I would have believed it. He kind of just always had that a little bit like uh, when you, especially when you watch, even when you watch some of his like early, early stuff, like he did the invisible man returns, which is like pretty early in his career. And he still looks like a full grown adult man in that. And he's like probably in his early thirties like well i'm sure the mustache helps as well oh it that yeah yeah t- absolutely but um at least during that time too he was doing things like he's in um 10 commandments and stuff like he kind of started okay. out like in big hollywood productions before kind of getting like he really found his niche with horror movies and um i think that's just a big appeal of him is that, like he's kind of a goth guy before it was even goth you know goth was really a thing Ooh. Who would you think, like, comparatively to today? Because we are we mentioned Nick Cage, and that's yeah. the only one that's kind of springing to mind of like of like a big a theatrical lot, presence big stuff. Yeah, and then has kind of become a niche actor. Man, Cage is a really good um, comparison for sure because like he's in Renfield right now. As of this recording, it just came out this weekend, and like I keep hearing about how great he is in that. Um, I'm not looking forward to that. No, me I, it neither. It just looks bad to me. No, and this also reminds me, we've got to get to recommendations because I have a really big one this week. But right. um, uh, we'll do that in a moment. But man, yeah, Cage is the first one that comes to mind. But I also really like, um, God, there is another one. Honestly, weirdly, the first one that came to mind was not even a male actor, but uh, Mia Goth like was the first thing that popped yeah. in my brain. But that's a weird comparison to make. But in terms of just I maybe think... like... The person that seems to really enjoy being in these kind of like off kilter villainous roles, you know. I think we're too early in her career to right. kind of give this that like she is 
she's making her stamp in yeah. the horror genre with uh, X Pearl, Maxine coming out, Infinity Pool. Yeah, she's got but some I, other things coming. Well, uh, she's going to be in Blade, right? When, when I saw Blade, that casting, I was like, she was good in the vampire uh, Suspiria good remake, vampire casting. Yeah. Oh, see, I don't remember her from that, but I'd have to. I didn't know her. She's like the main best friend in it. It's a big part, okay. but yeah, that's before she really like was getting right. mainstream attention. So yeah, um, but yeah, that for some reason that's that's who came to mind. But I think Nicolas Cage is probably the best answer aside from her. I mean, like we'll probably I, even come up more with something even as more soon as so we than stop her. Recording, yeah. As yeah. soon as we stop recording, it'll be like, oh yeah, this person would be perfect. Yeah, for Cage it, is but, definitely uh, the best one. I do remember. It's just a quick aside. One of my favorite when I used to watch SNL regularly. I always loved Bill Hader doing like Vincent Price's Halloween specials. Like yeah. those were fantastic. Um, and that's the thing. It's like Price feels like a Halloween special actor. And I do not mean that as in a slighted way at all. I think that's a fucking great energy for an actor to have, especially in these types of movies. If you're excelling at it, like you shouldn't yeah. be embarrassed. And like that, he really does sell it perfectly. Right. Like you can play a murderer, like somebody who that, like, you know, is a torturer, so like who's insane, like he is in Pit and the Pendulum and stuff, or in Mask of the Red Death, where he's essentially playing like the perfect encapsulation of like a, a rich shitbag. Like, and he's still got a likable, fun, campy energy to him, no matter what he's doing. Like, it's great. Yeah. Uh, this one, he's so villainous in this. Like, he's a fucking terrible person. And it's, you still it's a kinda, bizarre role. You still kind of like him, though. Um, There's something still likable, just because it's Vincent yeah, Price. He has a charm. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's what it is. I, I, do we want to give some recommendations? Yes. Though? Yeah, we'll do that. Yeah. Uh, let's do it. Sure. Do you want to start? Sure. Uh, I'll make this one real quick. Uh, I went and saw Avatar again. Uh, <laughs> uh, 3D high frame rate. Fifth time, it got five stars for me this time. I, time. I was not bored for a second. It is gorgeous. It kept me, like, compelled on the edge of my seat. Mm -hmm. um, it just, I can't wait. I'm never going to watch it on my TV, so I'm going to see it in theaters as many wow. times as I can. It was great. Uh, the other one we went and saw Friday, How to Blow Up a Pipeline. Oh, wow. Just a, a great fucking thriller. I was really engaged with all of it. it Interesting. I, again, another five stars for me. Whoa. And I, I was just so blown away. There's some really great acting and just the way that it's telling the story and that it is a moral, ethical dilemma uh, mm -hmm. yes, oil companies are poisoning us, killing all of us, reaping all these profits, but it is still terrorism. It is construct, it is, you know, destruction, vandalism, but for a good purpose. And, and that yeah. idea of, can you do something bad for the greater good? Um, there is, I, I think his name was Forrest Goodluck is like one of the main, uh, kids in it. He's a great of, name. Of uh, uh, native descent, and he's the one building the bomb. He's just so good at it. He has a great scene where he he tells this white guy to go back where he's from, and I just <laughs> I love like I was so sold on him that moment. He just that anger in him. He was really able to to pull it off, and uh, highly recommend it. Damn. Okay. The trailer for some reason didn't like fully sell me on it. Like I I love the sentiment of this the title. Um. Right. Watching the trailer, I was like, ah, oh, this could be kind of like 
this could be not great but i've been hearing good things so i i it's, do want to try to it's see that. really great and there's there's two anarchist characters and of course they're from portland <laughs> so there was there was people like clapping as the title comes up portland oregon oh awesome uh cool man fuck i gotta see that uh i have a couple uh saw the super mario brothers movie I my take is that if you feel super strongly about it one way or the other, positively negatively, you're kind of a fucking psychopath. And uh, it, it was not fine. really. I I know people. Uh, there's obviously people out there that care a lot about animation. As we we de- we need that. We need people who really care about the standards of animation and shouldn't be giving gorgeous. a pass. And that's the thing. It's it looks so good. Um, but I understand there's people out there that are like. But we need to be asking for more from our big mainstream animation entertainment. I, I completely understand the argument. At the same time, I cannot divorce my, you know, hey, Mario's great, and it looked and sounded like Mario, and I was like, this is charming. You know? Even as I fully... Jack Black, like, he's uh, the highlight of it. What, channeling his inner meatloaf. The thing that I keep getting hung up on with this is that, like, that is such a smart business decision for Jack Black to become Bowser because oh, Bowser yeah. is like a breakout character from the games. I mean, if you look at it, like he, he always stands out. He's been, he's a very memorable character. Um, people know him. Like he's super recognizable. You don't have, you know, he's like such a iconic villain just as like Mario is an iconic hero. Right. And, and then, it's you and Dennis Hopper. Yes, exactly. Like, that's the Jordan goes in a club. Yeah. yeah, but then I mean Jack Black is so beloved to tie him to Bowser. That's that's such a smart business thing. Like if there's yeah. not there's got to be executives meeting now. I mean like how do we capitalize on Jack Black as Bowser? How do we make a Bowser show? Yes, exactly. Right. I mean that's the thing, the uh, Bowser TV series, yeah. I, I I also read like you know I wouldn't be opposed to if he got a Oscar nomination <laughs> for or a win. Hell yeah, for peaches. It's way better and more memorable than most of the songs get nominated. I feel you know <laughs> right. The tell it like a woman, or I don't even remember what the song was from Tell It Like a Woman, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it was fine. I you know it was very surreal at times to like have nintendo things up on a big screen with a huge crowd i'm like i grew up feeling like such an isolated dork for not wanting to do anything but play video games and then like here i am with a bunch of people like cheering when donkey when the dk rap starts playing and i'm like this is this yeah. is strange man lots of <laughs> lots of good setups for future movies i feel like you that, got a big yeah but that's like wario louis yeah. Will- Waluigi, Yoshi, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's tons to really dive into. That's the thing, though. When you get to stuff like that, that's the TV vacation of movies, though. You know what I mean? Right, right. But then uh, we're going to have, yeah. like, a Legend of Zelda movie. We're going to have all these, like, a Samus movie. And then in ten years, we're going to have Avenger-style Super Smash Brothers. Where we just, like, make them all fight each other. Yeah, your face says it all. Yep, yep. Yeah, just remember where you were here right now, realizing <laughs> like that's that's where oh, the direction is going. I've been comic seeing the... books. Comic books are failing, and yeah. now it's video games. I've been seeing the fan made graphics of like the stupid Marvel timeline thing of twenty twenty six Metroid. You know, uh, yeah. I've been seeing that stuff pop up, so I, I know it's coming. Uh, 
I saw that, but the big recommendation this week, and and one I was very, very happy to catch last night, I wasn't sure if I was going to do it last minute. I was like, all right, fuck it, let's go. And a friend of mine was was thankfully not deterred by the runtime and wanted to go see it with me. But I went and saw Bo is Afraid, the new Ari Aster Ooh. movie. Uh, is that that's not out yet i guess you got a special preview or i i am it was only playing at amc's out here which it burned okay. me to go to two amc's in one week because i also saw return of the king in theaters uh maybe with, say about you know that, la yeah. Gets yeah maybe early yeah. but yeah. um yeah because i think it is still before the release date but let me tell you that was a thing i watched it i really really enjoyed it as i was watching it but then I left being like, yeah, but not as good as Hereditary or, you know, Midsommar, but still a really good movie. And then I woke up this morning and started to just remember things that happened in the movie. And I'm like, oh, fuck, maybe is it his best? Like, I was thinking that for a couple, for a little bit. I don't know where I fall on it yet. But okay. it is a movie that I I keep reading this. Both positive and negative uh, reviews will say I cannot stop thinking about it. And either I get more mad at it, or I like it even more as I think about it. I'm excited. Yeah, it's um, Charlie Kaufman doesn't have anything to do with it, right? No, it just, but it it's one hundred percent Charlie Kaufman. Yeah, it's one hundred percent in the vein of like you can tell Synecdoche, New York, is a huge influence. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I, I need could, to rewatch that. I but. could, I could absolutely see uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman playing Bo as well. Um. Like that is a casting that I would would almost. I mean, Phoenix is fucking great. He's perfect for what this is. But like Hoffman would have done, uh, you know, just as good of a job. If not, I mean, oh. who knows? I, I it's hard to compare those two guys. But like, I love them both. Uh, but it, it it was awesome. Nathan Lane is incredible in it. And uh, Richard Kai, our boy Richard Kai, dude. Okay, all right. Since you mentioned it, yeah, I'll, I'll say it because I didn't want to say too much. But like, um, when he came on screen. It was so exciting, and I immediately thought, I was like, oh, Murphy's going to love this. Because, like, oh. uh, and it was such a funny reaction, because I uh, I don't even know if my friend recognized who he was. I'm, I, You know, she's probably had seen him in something before. Um, oh, Bing Bong. Yes, of course. That's a big one. We didn't, I, forgot, I forgot to talk to her, ask her if she recognized him. But she did kind of laugh at me, because, like, I was just like, yes, when he popped up on screen, I, like, pumped my fist. And then yeah. I swear to I swear to God, there was a murmur of, like, excitement throughout my audience. Like, oh, oh, oh. like, everyone's, like, recognizing oh. Richard Kind. Yeah. Oh, it's Richard Kind. Yeah, exactly. It was truly, like, the big movie star, like, moment of the movie. If, like, someone oh. walks on the screen, and you're like, wow, hey, I didn't expect this, but this is exciting. Um, but I, I really liked it. It's three hours long, but then there was one point where I was like, this is maybe you could, you could definitely trim some things in this. But then as I think about it, I'm like, okay, now I'm kind of seeing why you need that in the movie or what that adds. So I don't know, but it, it was very good. And I can't wait to like read more about it when it gets released and like see how people react. But my, my audience seemed very positive. Uh, I'm real excited. Yeah, there's been, like, a, a tweet going around of, like, some film critic here in L.A. was at a screening and, like, literally stood up and was, like, yelling at the audience. Like, don't applaud for that. This was a fucking career ender. And so as I was watching it, I'm like, what was he so violently objecting to in this? Like, it's pretty outlandish at times, but it's, like, not, like, you know, it wasn't well, so... Well, he just felt the way that you did when you watched Babylon. Yeah, pretty much. Like, probably. No! That, I mean, hey, I will I cancel you... this guy. 
You're probably right. I'm not canceling Chazelle. I'm not even mad at Chazelle for Babylon, <laughs> honestly. It, I really like his other movies, so it's like, you know, one bad one that isn't, whatever. But yeah, Bo is Afraid. It's great stuff. Um, last one, just this morning, I watched The Mighty P. King Man in my Shawscope collection, continuing that. It's a uh, Chinese King Kong. Uh, it's very violent. It's King Kong okay. if you want. It's King Kong if you want. 50% more bloodshed and 85 more percent softcore porn. Like the Faye Ray equivalent, I'm not even joking. She is bound. I, I, I mean, this, you see it bouncing out of her top for most of the movie. I, like, uh, you just see like a Murph side cloud of smoke <laughs> where my body was as I'm yeah, running yeah. to the movies. It's ridiculous. It's like, I mean, I, I don't think they had, they didn't have access to boob tape or they just didn't care to have her use it. It's, it's truly crazy. Like I had never Wonderful. seen that much like quote unquote malfunctions <laughs> in a movie. Yeah. You know? I don't think there were malfunctions really, but uh, yeah. Anyway, that was pretty fun. That's my recommendations. The Tingler. Let's get into Let's it. Let's talk about drugs. Yeah. Uh, not that, I mean, important to the plot to this, but very strange as, as a drug movie. I, I read multiple sources that this was the first depiction of uh, a psychedelic trip, using LSD at least, in an American okay. film. I think movies like... I don't remember when it came out, but I know, I know some noir movies, you know, people get drugged... Like your protagonist will get drugged and they'll have a crazy like dream sequence or something. They, but this, you know, they see the pink elephants type thing. Right, yes, exactly. Um, but this was the first time we all know Dumbo was the first drug induced vision most of us ever saw. (laughs) And it was just alcohol. It wasn't even like, what was, what were those fucking circus freaks putting in that, you know, like lewds? Uh, Probably moonshine. Yeah. A little, a little turpentine, (laughs) you know, give it some real flavor. Right. Right. Um, so, uh, but yeah, you actually see Vincent Price like injecting acid in this. Uh, it's back when it was illegal. It's not a drug. It was it's it was a legal drug. Yeah, it was legal for them to actually purchase in this day and age, which is crazy. Uh, I I looked it up. So it was first synthesized in 1938. So this is you know 21 years after its creation. It's getting like major motion picture. Yeah, and I was reading that the writer of this movie had experimented with LSD, and maybe as part of the research for this, or maybe it gave him the idea or something. But uh, that writer's name is Rob White. But he actually did experiment with it because it was legal. You could just do it. And he was just like, yeah, you know, it's kind of like in the mainstream media news. And so let's give us a shot. And then Uh, I think this is the same experimentation that Brian De Palma did with Scarface. Like, I really (laughs) need to know the material before I write anything. Oh, totally. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, it was kind of like it's interesting, too. I do think there's an authenticity to the trips in this and then it kind of gets a little outlandish at one point but then you realize oh no it wasn't outlandish there's actually a twist on that too on one of the trip sequences uh and they do some there's there's one particularly really cool effect they do that is the big swing in terms of like depicting drug usage in this i'd say um but uh yeah so it's a gimmick film first and foremost though yep so just like avatar Right. It's a gimmick. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. You can draw a direct parallel. When I, when I was watching this, I flash-forwarded, like, in Babylon to Avatar. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this is the big era of, like, 3D films are, are a thing already at this point. 
and uh, those start to become very popular, and they start to draw in audiences who were, you know, who were pretty stunned by that technology at first, I'd say, when it came out. And uh, a guy named William Castle takes notice. He is a film producer and director who saw the burgeoning market in younger audiences going to movies. That Primarily, he was focused on uh, kids and teens as the kind of target audience, because, like, this is the generation where you got baby boomers coming into the world. They got free... Uh, they have, what do you call it, um... Expendable a lot of income. capital to spend. Yes, yep. exactly. And they are really making it clear that they have a particular taste in movies that they like. And one of those things is they kind of like these carnival sort of sideshow type gimmicks. So you got Smell-O-Vision, you got 3D, obviously, and then you have this, which was called... Uh, fuck, I had it. Uh, Perceptol. This is the only movie that ever used it. But essentially, you install a motor in, in certain theater seats. It vibrates. Could have come up with a better name. I'll just say I, it right there. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that doesn't exactly roll off the tongue. Yeah. But it seems like in most cases, a, the projectionist would have access to a switch they could turn on that would activate the motors in these certain seats that would make it vibrate and you would feel a tingling in your spine. It's. I don't know if the script of the Tingler came first or that idea, but they have this movie called The Tingler that is about the tingle in your spine being a parasitic lobster that grows across <laughs> your entire spinal column. Uh, pretty wacky. What and, was the movie? It was, Popcorn? Was that it? Yeah. That yeah. does that kind of in Jamaica? Well, it's not in Jamaica, but like they filmed in Jamaica. Yes, right. But that theater where they would electrify the seats for... Yeah, it's basically riffing off of this. Yeah, so that came out in the '90s, and I feel like that around that time there was a just a kind of like a revival of. Um, I feel like '50s nostalgia, more so than other decades, really like was like drawn out. You know what I mean? Like the '70s had a '50s nostalgia with like Happy Days. It, the it's '80s the had it, right? Uh, you know, it's just life was so much better. For Americans specifically, specifically white suburban white Americans, Americans. yes, right, yes, Yes. or it seemed to be, but then things like you know in the eighties you got Blue Velvet being like, hey, that was actually really fucked up too, you know, like that style of America. Even uh, you know, Reefer Madness is trying to give you the warnings of like, it's not all peaches and cream that there is an underbelly here, yeah, that you have to protect your white daughter from. Exactly. but also in the 90s, you had uh, Joe Dante, who is very, very influenced by William Castle. Uh, there's straight up, I mean, the the big moment everybody loves from Gremlins 2, where they interrupt the film, is directly lifted from this. It's the exact same idea. And, like, Dante then goes on to, after that, makes Matinee with John Goodman, where essentially Goodman is playing William Castle. And, okay, like, that movie is pretty good. I don't know if you have you seen that. I have not. It's easily the most sincere thing I've seen from from uh, Joe Dante. It's not supernatural in any way. It's not even really a horror movie. It is about honestly. I would compare it to like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, um, because it's about like it takes place in the past and it's about filmmaking and the effect it has on this like certain subcult. You know what I mean? It's like certain period of time where you uh it's the lives of these people and effect, how they're affected by movies i think last picture show you know i haven't seen it is a lot it's like very similar to um oh the the joe spinell one 
Yes. Last picture okay. show. No, last picture show is uh no no no. Uh he just oh, died recently. Uh, Bogdanovich. Oh, okay, yes, yes. With yeah. uh Jeff Bridges and Yes. What's her name? Uh Sybil Shepherd, I believe. Yeah. But it's about being a certain age and going to movies and how that fits into like your social life, your love life, your, you know, America yeah. at the like what America was at the what they were doing and watching at at a very particular point in time. And John Goodman plays a movie producer who is William Castle, who's like, hey, the world sucks. We're in the middle of the Cold War, and we literally might be killed by Russians at any second now, according to our government. There's fear-mongering from, from the, you know, from our politicians at every level. And, like, you know, there's rapid social change that everyone's grappling with. I'm going to provide, like, a place for young people to escape to, but also get some of these, like, thrills and, like, you know... Mm-hmm. So it's all about how this type of showmanship out. from William Castle was like a weird sort of like sociological like necessity for some people. It's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. It's a good movie. Uh, not perfect, but I, I, it's it's really, I think I really like it. So anyway. You reminded me of another quick John Goodman thing. In the beginning of Kong Skull Island, like they pull up yeah. to Congress or whatever. Oh, yes. And he goes, there'll never be a more screwed up time in Washington. <laughs> and it's like. Right when Trump, like, after Dude, Trump got elected. Our, my audience fucking, like, almost applauded that line. You're just like, everyone was just like, someone's saying it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was good. No, I really like Matinee. Um, uh, I highly recommend it to people. And, like, if you are interested in, in William Castle, that's a really nice little, like, take on him. You know what I mean? It's basically Joe Dante explaining why he loves William Castle movies. But there was also a remake of House on Haunted Hill which I think William Castle wrote and directed, or he directed as well, um, which that's probably his most well-known movie, also starring Vincent Price. And I would say in both um, this movie and in House on Haunted Hill, there's like an analog to William Castle in the movie. You know, in this one, you literally have a theater owner who releases the tingler into the theater, which is what he is doing as the director, Right. And then, like, it, it's, a, it's a weird, it's a strange meta thing going on there. House on Haunted Hill, Vincent Price plays, like, the, he's hosting all these people for, like, a dinner party, like, a murder mystery dinner party, essentially. And then people actually start dying. And But it's its own version of, like, immersive theater that, like, Price is doing in that movie. So I yeah. do think that Castle is, he's pretty interesting as, like, an auteur figure beyond the gimmicks. Like, you know, there is a lot, you couldn't actually... You can have a pretty good read on his sensibilities from these two movies, from those two movies at least. I, those are only two I've seen of his so far. But from this movie, like it is mainly just around the gimmick. Like there, right. are, it's it's bizarre because it is actually very well written at times. Like all yeah. of the interactions between Vincent Price and his cheating wife are really good. Like there's yeah. a lot of great dialogue throughout this. This is one of the dumbest plots I think I've ever seen. It's ridiculous. But if it is a gimmick movie, like it, that's fine. Right? It's okay. Yeah, but man, that's that's the cool thing. We about didn't it have is... the gimmick. That's yeah. that's the that's the main issue about this movie is like we're watching it without the gimmick. Yeah, and every like letterbox review I read from people that like have gone to go see this at revival screenings where people on Letterboxd have said like there's been certain times where they they will replicate the the vibrating seats you know like um they'll they'll rig up their own way to do it 
and then you can, can kind of have the experience audiences had in 1959, where they you know they also planted actors in certain audi- in certain theaters when this originally came out. See, that's out. smart. Yeah, to pretend like the like the Tingler had shown up, and they would they would faint. And there's literally a line where Vincent Price says in the movie, "A woman just fainted has been taken out." We're going to continue in a moment. If you saw this in '59, you might actually see somebody in your audience faint. Like it's it's pretty crazy. And then of course they had fake well, Tingler that props that they would like drag because across they literally... the floors too. They cut the screen as black, and it's like, right. well, I don't know if you're going to be able to see anything at this point. Apparently, apparently, the staff of the theaters were instructed to bring the lights up when the screen went black. Uh, okay, so okay. you would see it. Yeah, fun, right? Um, so it, it was like just they went through a, a lot of effort to to make this interactive and immersive for such a stupid thing. Like it really is like a charming that they would go that far, and. Uh, Castle just like he, I, I saw him be described as like the bargain Ben Hitchcock, and I could believe I could I, that's a description I would believe because like he appears in this movie in the beginning like Hitchcock right has done or he would introduce him in trailers what Hitchcock would do, which is great. The the music in the very beginning sounds like it's ripped from Vertigo or Psycho right. or or one of them. Like it is near exact. Yeah, and and uh, just that so. We're getting to we're gonna move along the plot, which is pretty simple, and discuss other elements of it. Um, so we have uh, let's run down our cast first of all. Vincent Price plays Doctor Warren Chapin. Chapin, I don't know. Uh, Judith Evelyn, Judith Evelyn plays his uh, experiment, <laughs> his uh, volunteer for his LSD fear experiment. Uh, Martha Ryerson Higgins. We have. Uh, Patricia Cutts as Isabel Chapin, his wife. Pamela Lincoln as the wife's sister. David Morris, or Daryl Hickman as David Morris, his, like, assistant. And then somebody that, if you had gotten better casting for this role, it, it, this could be a whole star higher. But we have Philip Coolidge as Ollie Higgins, uh, Martha's husband. Yeah, um, he's odd. He's flat, and then the revelations about his character, you're like, oh, this could be a great role if it was in somebody else's hands. You know? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, then you also have William Castle himself, who makes an appearance at the beginning, give a little speech about the dangers of the Tingler. So that's how we open. William Castle walks out, and he says, you know, hey, uh, just so you know, like, I, this, this movie is actually dangerous, and you might die watching it. If you feel a tingle at the base of your spine, scream, and it's okay because other people in the audience will be screaming too. The person next to you will probably be screaming too. A scream at the right time may save your life. Uh, I mean, pretty smart to then hire actors to put in the audience to scream because it's like, it does give you permission as a random person saying this, being like, oh, that person's screaming, we're going to have fun and scream, you know? But then I, you're cutting into your profits. You got to hire an actor. That's true, man. I was thinking it did cost him, it was just a lot of money this time. It cost him a million dollars to do all the like immersive stuff the theater seats, the actors, the tingler props that they would bring into the theater, all that stuff. Um, so, a big part of the budget for this. I really do like, and it fits into the drug theme, the floating heads rushing at the camera screaming. Oh, in the beginning, right. The first thing you cut to. I mean, it's like I was, when I put it on i was a little worried my, my neighbor's gonna hear just like this cacophony of screams <laughs> right. coming through the wall so we got a bunch of faces screaming 
before we then fade to a man's terrified face in a jail cell. That actor is really selling it. Like the look on yeah, his like the frozen like expression. Yeah. So he is being taken to the electric chair. A uh, pretty dark way to start. We see that there's a man there as like, you know a, another man there as well watching it happen. Um, we then cut to an autopsy room where Doctor Warren Chapin is performing an autopsy on the man who's executed, and the other guy comes in, reveals himself to be the brother-in-law of the murdered man, and watching. I'm glad I watched this twice because there is a pretty neat detail in all of this that the crimes that the guy was executed for, he probably didn't commit, right? Most right. likely. Yeah, Which I, I, I really like that little detail. Like, on a second watch, it's a very subtle thing that you you may not even remember that it begins with an execution of Ollie's brother-in-law because they don't talk about it much apart past the scene. But it, it really does... is just like, uh, yeah, they never mention him, but it's like, oh, this is how these two people meet. Right. And it is so quick how Vincent Price is, like, going to be buddy-buddy yeah. with with Oliver. Um, he has a great line about it, though. Like, t- he talks about, you know, he's cutting into the dead person. And he's like, yeah. science is sometimes frighteningly impersonal. Yes. That was great. I like that. Um, talking about how the man's spine is broken in half at the column. And he's like, yeah, electricity didn't do that. Really fun little exchange, too, where he's like, does it hurt? And then, you know, Price is like, well, why don't you go strap yourself in and find out or something like that? And then and then you tell volts. me. Yeah. And then, and then you let me know, which I, that was that was pretty a pretty fun response. Uh, that's, Vincent Price is just such a good cad. Like, he's got great put downs <laughs> in a lot of movies and he's just like a smarmy dick sometimes, but oh, it's, it's still charming. He's great with the life yeah. when he's constantly being like, oh, I love a a two-fister like as he's got the two drinks oh god all of that talk is so fun what was was it um what is what does the little husband say to the big wife why does the back door slam every time i open the front door yes yeah oh oh, man so good no great stuff um uh, but he he doesn't wait long to the to start uh like dropping his insane theories on ollie Saying, like, there's right. a physical force, at you know, that manifests in the body when someone is scared. And that you can be scared to death, right? He's very interested in, in that. And Ollie's like, oh, yeah, like, the, you know, you get that tingle at the base of your spine. And it, it's, I don't know if it's the first time Price, like, hears the word tingle. But he's just like, huh, tingle. Yes, now i got a name for it, the tingler. That's exactly what I should call it. It's a bad title. Like, bad title. Yeah. Thought of something else. Even just Tingle would be a little better, yeah. maybe, but The Tingler, uh, I don't know. Nightmare on Spine Street, um, <laughs> I don't know. Invasion of the Tinglers, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Creature from the Black Liver, I don't know, something, you know. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really bad. Night of the Spine demons crusher i don't know yeah night of the spine demons isn't that bad uh but then he's automatic like he tells him about it he gives the name and then oliver's like hey can i get a ride to town and vincent price is just like yeah i'd be happy to this person i met five minutes ago i mean this is that day and age where you just there's no qualms about like giving anybody a ride it's like 
two white men, why shouldn't I trust him? Yes, exactly. We right. met two seconds ago, and he's like, hey, can I bum a ride from you? And you're just like, yeah, sure. Um, no <laughs> no question of, like, hat. no question of, like, how are you out of my way, you know? Like, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he drives him home. He happens to live above a movie theater, Dream Apartment. That he owns and operates. It's a silent movie theater. Uh, his and, wife owns it. Yes, his wife primarily owns it. That is a point it, yeah. of contention. Exactly. Um, so he, it's a silent film theater. They're showing the movie Tollable David, something I never heard of, but is an actual silent film from 1921. Um, appears to be about a postman. Uh, right. Right. They spend a lot of time on the silent a, movies, like especially you see a later. Lot of it. Yeah. It's just like, okay, I, again, we didn't even say, this movie's like 82 minutes long, and th- that's a lot of pat. Like, if you're going to show me oh, a yeah. silent film for a couple minutes, like, that's just straight padding. Exactly. Um, there's so much of that, too. But uh, there's a, that's another interesting kind of meta thing about this movie, is that, like, in the movie, we have pining for an older age of, of cinema, right? Right. That is really fascinating as something that is so time-stamped by the gimmicks. Where mm-hmm. it's like, this was 1959, and now this is such a throwback. In this movie, they're talking about throwback theaters. Like, it, it's kind of it's kind of fascinating. But yeah, Ollie says a lot of people actually come to see these and not just to laugh at them. Like, he's kind of surprised that, like, that it's still getting traction. Doing so well. Right. And I love the little moment where just like we just get a wistful Vincent Price being like, I would love to see the old Charlie Chaplin films again. And he's like, hey, we play those once a year, you know, like, I'll let you know. I'm like, that is such a nice little genuine moment of just like, yeah, I love these movies you can't see anymore. And the only way to rewatch a movie in those days was if a theater was replaying it somewhere, you know? Uh, Yeah. So he meets his wife, who is deaf and mute. And uh, it's not the word they use, but not the word they use. Yeah. Times have changed a little bit. Uh, I watched it with Brittany and she did not, she did not know that term. And I was like, yeah, that's what they used to refer to them as back in the day. Yeah, man. That's how it goes. Like, uh, (laughs) thank God times have changed. So he meets her at, I was reading the sign language. She does the actress had to actually learn herself and, um, is, is apparently pretty good. I guess like what what she's doing is pretty understandable and legible by people who are who know sign language. Uh, the, the actress little bit that I know was was there. The okay, I know that one. Yeah, the coffee is her, another one that I knew. Yeah, did, did you happen to see what else Judith Evelyn has been in? No, I had not. She is Miss Lonely Hearts from Rear Window. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Where she also does not get a single line of dialogue in that movie. Um, and Rear Window is like 55? Yeah, it's a couple maybe? years before this. Yeah. Okay. So uh, he meets her and, he, you know, she, he also gives the most con- uh, unconvincing drop of a, of a plate I've ever seen. And then accidentally cuts his hand off screen. And like very stage-like turns to show her the blood. Uh, and she faints. But he also sees her, like, grab her back as she does, and he's like, huh, she became super yeah. rigid. And, oh, hey, she can't release those fear tensions that are definitely a real thing. Because hmm, she has okay. no vocal cords, apparently. Yes, exactly. Either. That's part of it. She diagnoses also, that instantly. Uh, OCD. Yeah. She is uh, obsessed about the money in the safe. Right. Does not want to shake, does never shakes hands because of germs. 
Right. As, um, I love that. As soon as she wakes up with the smelling salt, she goes and checks the money in the safe. Yeah. That's and her right, first right around reaction. Here, right around here, too, is where we also get Ollie, like, complaining about how much goes into running a theater. Just like, you know, ah, we got to clean everything. And, like, I got to yeah. even clean the goddamn ceilings. Well, he, he also is talking about, you know, her OCD. And it's like, our bill for towels is five bucks a week. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. That's it. Yes, I, I wrote that down, too. So, uh, this all, you know, gives, this makes, uh, Dr. Warren, you know, kind of interested in the, in these two people. So he goes home and this was a very strange scene. He meets up with, uh, Pamela Lincoln playing Lucy Stevens and. Which is his wife's sister. Wife's so sister. It's his sister-in-law. But it's like and at they, first he the, goes he he walks in and goes where's my wife and she comes out and being like where's my where's where's yeah. my David yeah I was I was confused the first time as well because it seems like oh we're flirting with each other and she and is so much out, younger than him but you know this is yeah, being well, a little movie you know that doesn't really yeah. matter yeah but I, I I was confused their their interactions a little weirdly flirty but you get the sense eventually you, you figure out eventually that she's dating his assistant David. And that he is married to her sister. And there's a lot of talk about... I thought they were going to introduce like a, a fair subplot for a moment. Because they're talking about how something hasn't been right with Isabel for some time. And like, oh, she's always out right. like with other men. Like, it's just a commonly known thing. So I was like, oh, are they going to hook up then? Like, Warren and and, and, Lucy, and the, or Lucy? But no. Uh, pretty soon, David does arrive. And uh, the actor, uh, Phil, not Philip Coolidge, who was David, uh, Daryl Hickman, he was actually engaged to Pamela Lincoln. And I did oh, notice okay. when they when they kiss, I'm like, that kiss looks pretty genuine. Like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Some real um, emotion. Yes. So he comes in saying, hey, I was chasing a cat around because you wanted me to capture a cat. And I got a big black brute in an alley. Uh, this is the day and age when being a medical doctor, even like, a you know. Uh, a mortician you would just do re- experiments on animals in your free time you know to like f- to investigate your insane theories about fear and you know the most intense right yeah he like, also gives them this is where he gives them the acid and like yes it's like oh here you go like hey uh, there's also a funny stuff, part yeah. later where vincent price is just sitting in a chair reading the book like how to inject lysergic acid into you. oh yeah Exactly. Apparently that was a real book, too. Um, like a user's guide, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, they go off for their date, Lucy, uh, Lucy and David, and then he then witnesses his wife coming home and kissing a man right in the driveway, getting out of a cab. Uh, she has no guilt or qualms about him seeing this at all. She's just like, yeah, what the fuck are you going to do about it, cuck, you know? <laughs> like, I'm going to do what I want. Yeah. <laughs> but then he pulls a gun on her. He pulls a gun after some, again, we talk about how great the dialogue is between them. Price is so cold in this and genuinely threatening. And he's just like, basically just been like, hey, you know, I might kill you for this. And she's like, yeah, whatever. Like, get off my ass. And he pulls a goddamn gun on her. Uh, he's got a, a great, great line. It'll be easier to rearrange things in the laboratory. Yes, after and your like, suicide. Yeah. To the lab. Right. Great. So good. Uh, also, it's a great line of like, hey, I'm pretty good at autopsies. I'm like, oh, God, like this is chilling. <laughs> yeah. And it's such a turn for this movie because like, you know, it's like right, there's some darkness at the beginning. Be... Yeah. The, the, he's the, our, the yeah, he's hero. our main character. Yeah. 
But no, he's pretty much a Frankenstein type of character in this. And it really made me think of all of the, the, the marital things going on in this and then him pushing his, his experiments too far and things. I'm like, this is kind of like altered states. You know what I mean? He just doesn't know when to stop. And he's got a no qualms bit. about pushing the envelope for the, you know, to test his theories. Uh, so, uh, yeah, he makes her fucking faint because he gets her so scared and then pulls the trigger on his gun. And we don't know this yet, but it has blanks in it. I legit, the first time, was like, he just fucking shot his wife. Like, that's yeah. this, and the, this is the first act of this movie, and her main character this turn, right. murdered his wife. But now she's just knocked out. While she's out, though, he sets up some x-rays and takes some, take some photos of the inside. Take of a long time on this as well. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Eventually she wakes up and she's just like, hey, I'll get you back for this, but it won't be faked or something like that. It won't be blanks or something. Um, and he's just like, hey, thanks for taking part in my experiment. And she's kind of, and she's mad about it. He was uh, like, I was going to do it to the cat, but you were here instead. Yes, exactly. And we get some great shots of the cat meowing in the cage. Um, I kept trying to get my cat to look at him, but he, he wouldn't pay any attention. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> so, uh, he also there's also a, a weird line about how she may have killed her father that never really comes back. Oh right, right. Yeah, because uh, there's a great. It's like there's you can't prove anything because there's nothing to prove. Like she yes. does definitely seems like she did it and is guilty. Yeah, which I, I like. like. I like. I, I, I like that it's insinuated. Too. But yeah, not she's a she's another resolved. good performance in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty shortly he's showing David the X-rays. They see a big bug looking thing at the base of her spine and they're like hey that's the tingler it might be a real thing whatever it is it's very strong and it's super dense so he's like well who does this come from isabel and he's like eh, don't worry about it he's like but was it her he's <laughs> yeah. like, i told you not to worry about it and then they get into <laughs> openly talking about finding someone willing to die for science like he should have says to david yeah i'm gonna kill somebody in order to like prove my theories and david's like cool just like does and not is, seem to be worried about it. Is kind of like, well, I know someone who can't scream, so maybe yeah. like, it's already in his mind a bit. Definitely. We it, there's a couple weird coincidences in this uh, you know that are kind of strange, but like he gets a call from Ollie being like, "Hey, Judith is ill." Um, you know, Judith or not Judith, uh, Martha is ill. Can you come check her out? She's been strange ever since you fainted seeing that blood. And he's like, yeah, okay. He comes over, tells, you know, Ollie, like, I'm going to check on her and I'll make her better. I brought some 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 sleeping aids, right, some Did, obituates. Isn't before this when he does acid, isn't that before? Oh, yes, you're right. Yes, I'm sorry. Yeah, because he's talking about right. finding someone to die for science. And then he's talking to both David and Lucy later. And she's like, you know, he's like, I'm gonna, I've been trying to scare myself, but it hasn't been working. There's a great moment where she goes, "Boo!" and he goes, "Hmm, exactly, <laughs> boo." Right. Yeah, but with him saying "boo" is like that is fucking awesome. And I then love he's just like, "Well, I'm not gonna do it, so you two go have a good night, and then I'll see you later." Yeah. Immediately goes to his laboratory, locks the door, and is like, and "All right, up. I'm gonna tie off. I'm gonna tie yeah. off right here." David and, and Lucy stick around to watch this. Yeah. I really is, like Vince is, Price's performance here. It is, uh, you know, what we're here for this month to talk about yeah. drugs. And it's so funny that is, uh, again, we're doing psychoactive hallucin- hallucinogenic drugs. 
and you don't get anything. You just no. get Vincent Price's reactions to it, <laughs> which is fun <laughs> in yeah. a way. Uh, he just like starts, you know, banging all over the walls. Like he's hot. I, he opens the window and then it's like, I can't even open the window. It's locked. Yeah. Uh, I do like, I like the, the progression line. the progression of it where he's trying to to note things at first and be like scientific about right. it. And then he gets overwhelmed. Yeah. He's like, the room's rocking. It's not me as he's rocking back and forth. I that is so good. Yeah. <laughs> but then the great line of you know, fantastic dialogue of just like the walls. The walls. <laughs> the walls. But it, Price kills it, though, man. I, I really like it. And it's pretty interesting as a first depiction of an LSD trip on screen. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it is a choice to not really use, you know, any kind of, like, surreal techniques to visualize it. You're literally just seeing a person go through it. The most they do is there's a close-up of a skeleton that's, like, going in and out of focus, oh, basically. Woo. Almost yeah. like the uh, flashback. Right. Look. That were like a dream sequence do. type of, like, yeah, totally. But that's the most like stylized it gets. Other than that, you're just watching a person trip from outside of it, and I, I, I like that as a choice. Um, um, but he he's uh, but trying not David, to scream, but he screams. Yeah, yeah. And David's like, I can't do anything because I might kill him. Right. He screams and like doubles over on the bench, and then is just like, oh, sometime later he wakes up and he's completely fine. He's just yeah, like, oh, like, thanks a lot. And oh leaves. yeah, that was that's... he's like yeah, that was pretty scary. But I screamed. Whoops, and then <laughs> takes off. Yeah. So and I think he, this is when he just goes back to the theater, runs into right. Ollie, and he's like, my wife, my wife. And uh, he goes upstairs, gives her a shot. Now, this is something I'm confused about. I, It doesn't seem like it is the acid. It is, though. <sighs> it is. But the thing is, I don't know how Ollie knew that this would happen. Right. It, But even the thing, it doesn't. I don't know. It didn't feel like Vincent Price is that evil in that he's injecting her with a drug that he didn't know. I mean... It, it just... It was so complicated at that point. He, he he is that evil, though. I mean, he just... He literally, like, convinced his wife he was going to murder her. You know what I mean? Eh, come, Greg, you've never been married, all right? <laughs> no, but I mean, like, that is an interesting theme in this movie of just, like, these two guys who, like, in these domestic situations... <laughs> yeah. That fucking hate their wives, and they they're unhappy, and rather than keep, getting a divorce, yeah. it's like, hmm, I'm gonna. How can I psychologically torture her? Torture and or kill my wife? Yes, uh, I'm mean, asking. Divorces was not that much of a, of a thing these days, but and then it, it makes it all the funnier that they keep talking about David and uh, Lucy getting married, and like this movie is supposed to be like, I mean, it's supposing that marriage is a fucking you know hellscape yeah. do not do it lucy and david please no so yeah he he doesn't but he injects her with the acid the thing i don't get is i don't understand how i guess this because always heard him say like if a person gets scared and if i can't scream it might kill them right and i the acid just makes that all the easier for him i suppose and then it is it is the highlight of the movie for me yeah. this next scene of is it margaret or martha martha Martha, Martha Higgins. Wakes, wakes up and is, I don't know, I feel, I didn't think she was tripping balls, but I guess so. But just like, there's a, a murderer with a big giant yeah. machete. Like a weird a big monster face with an thing. axe. Yes, the that axe throws thing it at her. very funny. I like yeah. that, yeah. But it, it is kind of like, you know, uh, 
carnival haunted house walkthrough type scares, which mm. is William Castle's whole vibe. And during the entire this entire time, I like the sound mix where you get like a heartbeat, like a pulsing, like boom, boom, right, boom on the soundtrack. That was the cue for the projectionist to activate the seats. Because whenever oh, you hear that, okay. whenever he hears that, you do that so you feel the tingling at that point as the character on the screen is supposed to be getting the tingler. You know, getting that the tingler sounds like a sex move. You know, yeah, like oh, yeah. I picked up a tingler. <laughs> I, know, uh, I mean, that's a disease is another thing. But I'm t- oh, <laughs> oh, I see, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was just thinking, like you know, I, oh. I, oh, I, I, you know, I gave her the shocker and then a tingler to, to for dessert. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I, I was kind of thinking it would have been nice if at least in you know these home video aspects, like it would give you a little star in the corner oh, yeah. or something to let you know, like oh, this is when it would be happening, right? Yeah, it'd be, that'd be, that'd be nice. But then I, she goes into the bathroom and fucking phenomenal. We didn't even mention so far, or did we? This has all been in black and white. Yeah. For a reason, it seems. Mm-hmm. We get to the, it's one, cheaper. the one color sequence because the entire thing is shot in color. However, they painted the entire set black and white and put monochrome makeup on the actress. Okay. So everything is is looks is made up to look black and white, but it is actually color. The only thing in color is the bathtub is full of fake blood, and it mm-hmm. so it is so red. It is so so red compared to everything else. And it's this is what's telling you it's a trip though, because I mean, there's no way that they don't live in a black and white world. You know what I mean? So like, this well, is the yeah. only time that they stylize the trip really. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and it's just like, how does Ollie do that? Like get in a bathtub, a a bathtub of blood to then raise food, his hand up. Food coloring, I guess. You, but that, yeah, him doing but, the hand doesn't make any sense. But he's in the yeah. tub, and then it's like it's obviously right. gonna leave evidence or whatever. Um, but then she screams and dies, she, or tries she to can't. scream. Right. Yeah. That, yes. Correct. Right. So then is where this is where Warren gets a call, and he comes over to check out. Martha, but and always like, well, she seems dead. She's cold, but she moved when I try to touch her. Great moment where her body, her he declares her dead, but then her fucking corpse just shoots up, and this is because that's pretty great. When you think about this and what's what the movie tells me is happening, it is pretty creepy. If you look step back and you're like a giant bug parasite that grew the length of her spine, so it's like five feet long. Or like three feet long, a three foot long bug is animating her dead corpse and puppeting it around. Like that's pretty gross and creepy. It's frightening. You know? Yes. Yeah. There were times Dumb, where I'm like, but exactly, also frightening. Yes. Yeah. But there are times in this movie where I'm genuinely like, ugh, like that is the creepy idea. Yeah. I don't know if I ever feel a tingle in my spine, but you know. Uh. So he's like, well, I'm gonna do an autopsy. Great silhouette shot of him pulling out his fucking giant lobster bug. You know, and we see the tingler. Pretty decent prop, I would say. I like the way it moves. The puppetry was nice. Yeah, and that it's Vincent Price doing that because it's yeah. just him holding it, and then it it you know twists it around and it gets grab holds of his arm. Yes, but he screams, he screams. and it seems to, to knock it out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, pretty funny that uh, his wife basically walks in immediately after all this and was just like, "Ugh, but that's what's that thing?" And he's like, "Well, it's a tingler." <laughs> And she's just like, gross. She okay, doesn't cool. really seem to care. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to steal this drug so I can spike your drink. 
and then try to let it kill you. Yeah. We've also been hearing on the side from, like, Lucy, like, oh, Isabel's been so kind lately, you know? Yeah. Uh, I really like that this bug, it made me think a lot of the bugs in um, Naked Lunch, you know? Thankfully, the tingle does not the, have a uh, the, the black meat. and stuff. Yeah, the so black meat. What we need to do is get a tangler, grind it up. Yes, uh, get oh that powder, God. rub it on my lips. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then I'll bet, trip I, balls. I bet if you if you rubbed ground up tingler on an orifice, it would feel great. Hmm. Yeah. Thankfully, the tinglers don't have hairy assholes that they talk out of. That would be a step too far. I wish. Maybe in the remake, I'll, I'm going to write of the Tingler. <laughs> I mean, hey, with 40... I mean, essentially, William Castle invented 40X. You know what I mean? Like, it, right. it's, we still we still have this to a degree. You could make a 40X... Do 40X screenings of the Tingler. That would be incredible. What if, like, uh, in Fast 10, they just, like... There's a, a Tingler subplot? <laughs> so that when you go to the 40X, like, it just starts rumbling a certain way? <laughs> Dom has to just like scream at random moments in his car anytime it gets too tense as he's driving around. No, it's it's uh ludicrous. What? Who's the bald one? Is it? It's not Tay Diggs. Um, Tyrese Gibson. Yes, yes. Is that it? It's Tyrese. Yeah. It's Tyrese Gibson. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he, he would be a good screamer. I bet. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> um. All right. We, let's get through the rest of this dumb movie. Yes, I'm sorry. Uh. So she, she's so casual about seeing it. He is wondering about how to kill it with Ollie, and he's like, "Well, I think if I had to put it back inside of Martha because it, we took it out and its host is dead, it really makes zero. That's the dumbest part no. of the movie. Where it, I I don't understand that logic at all. Um, we learn that yeah, Isabel drugs him, and then puts the tingler in a box. Uh, you know, and it attacks him again, but of course he survives this. Uh, we then learn that she leaves him off screen. Just like there's a dialogue between Lucy and, and Ward, and he's like, he's like, uh, Isabel is always gone. And she's like, well, no, she left this afternoon. Like, she's she's gone. She's out of here. Yeah, he survived because Lucy came in and saw it and then screamed. Yeah. And now the plan is to, yeah, go put it back in um, yep. Martha's body. He was also like, uh, go... Take it to a, a funeral home, call the cops, call the coroner, like, let him know right. she died. Apparently none of that happened. And Vincent Price goes to confront Oliver. So he learns that Oliver killed her. And Ollie's like, whoa, is it murder if I didn't actually do it? And he's like, yeah, you caused her death, you fucking idiot. Like, <laughs> you're the murderer. As he's the one who gave her LSD. I'm, I'm still skeptical about it, but we'll roll with it. I mean, how else would she see the blood stuff, though? Like, she, I don't she know. Got it. Again, it doesn't make a lot of sense. It's kind of dumb. I think it makes sense. It makes sense just that they're both pieces of shit, and we just didn't know fully to what extent Ollie was at that point. You yeah, know? I guess it just, it just seems like I don't think it's, it's pulling Vincent one over Price's on the audience. Character is not that good of an actor. Well, I guess him almost shooting Isabel. Yeah, I, yeah, it's just weird. It's convoluted. If it's not, if it, if that's what it is, then it's just overly convoluted. I think it, no, I think it works for the movie because it, it is just a weird nihilistic world being depicted here. You know, like, it's just like we had these two guys in mer- in horrible marriage situations and they're miserable and they're both like to the point of like being psych, you know, they're psychotic, both of them. And it is that altered states type of, of character that he is where he just doesn't care. 
And he's like, yeah, okay, I'm using human experiments. You know, I, I'm doing it on myself. I don't even care about myself that I'm going to uh, right. put my own life at risk and try not to scream. It's just like a total lack of empathy or morals at all. It's all just the purpose of his theory, you know, for the purpose of his theories. Like he's an experiment on cats. He's an experiment on a dog. I mean, there's a throwaway line about how David caught a dog for them. He's going to use yeah, his wife for this. It. Like, and but it's, just it's toss so her aside as soon as he's done. It, like, and he discovers it and he's validated. And then he's like, nah, I'm not going to do it. We're just going to, it's not going to be in any papers. We're just going to put it back and we're going to forget about it. It's that sort of thing of like, he learned his lesson doing this. which is yeah, just kind yeah, of BS yeah. a little bit. Um, it's like, I don't believe he would be so, he would try so hard to save lives if it if it did break out, you know? Uh, but that's where so, the gimmick takes over. And he escapes, yeah. yes, he confronts Ollie. Ollie pulls a gun on him, and, and he just ignores it. Laughs like, it off. He's like, I'm going to call the police, and Ollie's just like, standing there not doing anything. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so he, the, then they find out the Tingler's escaped, it gets into the theater, attacks a woman's leg, she screams and faints. This is where Price, the screen blacks out, and he goes... Ladies and gentlemen, a woman has fainted in the theater. You know, we resumed the film shortly. Everything's fine. That one is breaking the fourth wall because that then cuts back to him and Ollie yeah. in the audience being like, we got to find it. You know, uh, we learned that it got into, got into the projector booth because it stops the film. I and mean, this is where screen is black and he's like, everybody scream, scream for your lives. And the soundtrack of Screams is played. In a theater, this must have been really fun. I mean, in, in the day yeah. and age of this coming out, must have been a blast. I can imagine. It is funny, because I did think about Gremlins 2, and, yeah. and knowing that Dante took directly from this. Yep. I mean, it makes you it makes you want to see the Hulkster, like, wrestling a giant tingler, you know? Uh, like, and Paul Paul Blattery, is that his name? The, uh, no. The uh, director? Uh, it's Paul something. Uh, Guy who did, like, Eating Raul... Oh my god, yes, he's he's great. I really love him. Uh, Paul, Bar- Paul, Bartel. Paul Bartel. Paul Bar- Bartel. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, exactly. I think, yeah, it makes you want to see him. So, it attacks Projectionist. They save him when he screams. Uh, this is where... Uh, I mean, it He puts the just, tingler back. It kinda, he puts it back? I guess it dies? No, Actually, he puts it back, and then he leaves. And then all yeah. of a sudden, Martha, like, starts sitting up. It just and doesn't make any sense. Scared. The door also closes on its dies. own. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but that, that's right before that is where he threatens him with the gun. That because I'm not reading my notes. Right. Um. But yeah, weird ending. It just it kind of ends with the a completely unexplicable supernatural moment. Unless at some point, you know, Oliver got drugged and we didn't see it. I don't know. I don't but think interesting, so. Interesting as a movie to, to depict an early, you know, drug trip. And I wouldn't say it ever really demonizes LSD. This isn't like a moral panic movie about LSD. It's using no. LSD for the gimmick, really, you know? Right. I Not even particularly for the gimmick. It's using it as like... Like a uh, plot device, yeah. Yeah, something to structure around. Like an excuse for events in the movie but i do like because we didn't really say that like we find out what oliver was the one scaring isabel or martha so he is the one that put on the monster mask he threw the axe at her i guess it was him with a tub and i guess he put her death certificate on the inside of a medicine cabinet 
I, that, that was, was really good. Did her I like that yeah. one. Yeah, that was the one that really did her in. Yeah, because so, it was like the most basic, uh, like staple center. Yeah, death certificate. Exactly. But I I really like that twist though, where at when you first watch it, you chalk all that stuff up to like, oh, this is what they think LSD did. Like they think it yeah. made you hallucinate a guy with an axe and like blood, you know, tubs of blood. But no, that stuff was was actually happening in the world of the movie. That was Ollie pulling that stuff off. That wasn't the LSD, you know. So it's not like oh, they're inventing things that LSD does. They're not exactly doing that, you know. <laughs> Uh, they, right. they are to a, to a certain degree, but not as much as you would think for a movie in '59. And I think that comes from that's what I'm talking about that that little bit of authenticity where the writer did do LSD, and he's like, "Yep, I had this experience. I'm going to write this trip now." And you know, Price's reactions and like the swaying and stuff like that is that might be stuff that the writer actually experienced. That idea of like, "Oh, the world's swaying," but and when you're literally rocking back and forth, like that's very funny. It's definitely fascinating to have this as like a, you know, a historical moment yeah. in film. Yeah, of exactly. one that like we're creating a gimmick, like we're we're in we're engineering a whole new way to watch a movie, but also we're going to include something that's not not particularly new. It'd been available, not available, but like it had been created twenty one years ago, but something that is going to in see increased popularity or like uh knowledge of yeah yeah very soon throughout right it's great it was it's a very interesting piece of film history yeah absolutely and uh you know i again i I do see in this movie there is a little bit of like the same deal you see in beyond the black rainbow of like we're gonna be sacrificing human bodies to this you know, to this thing for this or like advanced science for this cause. That's what Alter States is about. To a, a certain degree, that's what Naked Lunch is about. It's about it's about William, you know, Bill Lee sacrificing his own mind and sanity and, you know, for the sake of literature, right? To you know, that's what get that's what uh his two friends are doing. They're like, Yeah, we're gonna let our friend completely like annihilate his psyche and health so that we can get this this these great this great book out of it, you know? Um so it's interesting how each of these movies has that element of like like sacrifice, sacrificing of others or yourself, you know, for scientific advancement. Um, that that's pretty that's pretty cool. Uh, well, I think this will roll us right into final thoughts. What do you think we yeah. should rate this out of? Tingler, Bathtubs of right? blood, eh, or just it's a little <laughs> on the nose, but okay. Uh, bathtubs of blood is good. Um, God, I feel like there's something. Black Man, cats, could do black cats. Uh, maybe just like uh, out of focus medical skeletons. <laughs> That's pretty good. Okay, <laughs> yeah, out of focus medical skeletons. The scariest thing you could see, you know, in 1959. Uh, so okay, yeah, I can start. I liked this. I I like it much more as. A piece of film history than an actual movie. I, I yeah. talked a lot about how much I like Vincent Price in this. I think he's great. I really like the woman playing Martha. She plays a really good deaf mute and is just a really good physical performer. And then really manages to sell that fear when she's not only playing a, up a drug trip but a dying of fright, you know, performance. I guess it's, it's pretty good. So 
but as a whole, the movie's pretty sleepy, even at its really short runtime. And between Tingler appearances, like especially near the end, it gets a little dry. The gimmick stuff is fun, but you know, there's not a lot. But we didn't it. even experience the gimmick. That's part. Yeah. That's part of it too. It's interesting because we sounded so. We both sounded fairly positive throughout this thing, for the most part. I think it's a it's a movie I can like a lot, even if I don't like enjoy watching it. I would Agreed. absolutely run to go see this in a theater. Like if I saw that a theater was playing this tomorrow, I would drop everything and go do it. You with know? Tingle Vision, or yeah, exactly. Percept, however Percepto. you would come up with it. Yeah, what was it called? Uh, Percepton, Perceptol. Yeah, that uh, just sounds like a drug, like a drug exactly. that would be in, uh, you know, beyond the black rainbow. Yeah, I, I'm giving it a baseline three. You know, airing on something lower than that because, like, I really don't think like it's that great of a movie. But you know, it's like I think people who are interested in film history, in particular the history of like interactive film, like 3D film and motion mm-hmm. seats and all that. This is a big stepping stone towards that stuff that today. We're still doing a form of this, you know, in you know, in certain places and with certain movies. Like, it's, it still exists, kind of. And you got William Castle, thank for it. So, yeah, three out-of-focus medical skeletons. Okay, I was about to say. Um, I'm honestly about right there with you. It is such a dumb plot, but it's held together by really well-written characters at times. Not necessarily uh, Oliver, but, like, the Vincent Price, his wife, his wife's sister, and his assistant. Yeah. There's just something there. The way that they are interacting with each other, it is actual, like, cinematic, dramatic relationships. And that, that is something that's interesting about it. Um, it's, it's a very cool way for Vincent Price to, like, you know, flex his acting chops. Of we're, we're seeing, like, very minimal effects, but he's the one selling this drug trip. And then it, it really is a good scary moment when martha is uh waking up tripping oliver's killing her like it, those are so well done and tense and i really would like you said i would enjoy to see this in a movie have my butt vibrate at just the right times <laughs> you know i'm all, i'm looking hey. for that for every movie but this one particularly i was gonna say part yeah. of the plot right right um <laughs> i I'm going to go 2.8 out of focus medical skeletons. Yeah. It's memory. Yeah. It, yeah, it's it's a, it's fine. Uh could be a lot better. I expected worse. Yeah, I, I that's the other thing I didn't, I didn't mention in my final thoughts, but I really do like the the weird murderous husbands plot and you know theme going on here. It is speaking yeah. to something that this is more about than just the gimmick. They don't go far enough to really hammer in a point. Or, like, a, a take or anything aside from, like, marriage sucks. But, yeah. like, y- you know, it's maybe slightly misogynistic, but it's not, like, like what's the crazy theme degree. of this movie? Yeah, but you understand that, like, it's interesting that the depiction of the wife is, like, are we shaming her for her sexual freedom, right? A when her husband's bit. not giving it to her. Yes, but then you He's also... concern more concerned but then you, about right. what's in her spine But that's the thing is that it's like her. Yeah, exactly. Price makes such a good villain in this that you buy that, like, maybe she is doing, I mean, she's cheating on her husband, but it's like, he maybe he deserves it the way he fucking She does try lives to kill him. And treats you know. her. 
Yeah, like, I mean, she's murderous, so maybe killed her dad, too. You're, you're right, maybe it is a little <laughs> negative in terms of the depiction of women in this, but whatever. Um, but I like that darker edge to this in such a weird, light, fluffy movie, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, that is, that is fascinating. All right, we have one more thing to do this month. Before we close the book on April, we got to do the Masseys. For the Masseys, we're going to start the way that we start every single month with the Claude Daigle Memorial Penmanship Award Scholarship Fund Foundation, otherwise known as Best Kill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what, just watch the catering at this month's Masseys. I, I, I think I saw somebody spike it. You know, who knows with what? Could be any number of substances. It's going to be like the invasion where they're puking in the coffee yeah. pots. Yeah. Probably. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, backstage, there's mugwumps just like jizzing straight into Ugh. into bottles. Uh-huh. Give me some of that cream. Okay. <laughs> um, do, do you have a best kill? Because I, I have most of these. Uh, this is a tough selected. one. I, yeah, honestly, <laughs> the one coming to mind right now, because there's I mean, we talked about it beforehand, but there's not a lot of kills of this. Right. Uh the thing that comes to mind straight away is the death of Barry in Beyond the Black Rainbow because it is so it's funny, kind of random, yeah, and kind of random and just like I don't know, I, I I like it in the same way I talked an episode of like you know the 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 moment of laughing at the guy in Mandy, like this is a similar thing. Like we've seen this this like pompous piece of shit like completely you know ruin this woman keep this life this woman's life ruined finally getting what he deserves getting what well, he deserves also, and it is so little and so petty you know yeah there there's quite a few deaths i think in beyond the black rainbow because you have barry killing her mother yeah you have the nurse dying you have him killing dr raboria the nurse one's good um, too yeah nurse is good but you're sticking with barry I'm sticking to bury himself. It, it is one of the okay. more notable moments of that movie for me. I'm going for the moment in Naked Lunch when Clark Nova kills the Martinelli. Oh, great pick. Yeah. Yeah. You know. I was I was scouring like who died this month? Who died the Oh, of course. Yeah. Martinelli. We need to find out if <laughs> if he knew his typewriter was a was an inter interzone agent. Yeah. Good stuff. That's a good moment. The screaming coming from the Martinelli. Yeah. Yeah. I, I a, like Clark. A female I like, voice. Yeah, I like Clark Nova's death a lot too. Just like, you know, um, <laughs> fucking Weller. Clark Nova. Clark Nova. He's like, they tortured me, Bill. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, we're gonna move on to best performance. I got I got kind of a weird one for this month. Um, okay. I I'm I'm doing an ensemble. Because I think the combination of William Hurt, Bob Balaban, Charles Hayden, and Blair Brown yeah. make that movie. God, man. You could cut out I, Blair Brown, but like Bob Balaban yeah. and Charles Hayden, especially no, I think, all the no, I think scenes Blair, were there. I, I think together. Blair Brown is pretty fantastic in it. I think she's I really think good. so as well. Yeah. yeah I love but her like that. specifically, yeah. if I was having to like call the field, it would be like when Bob Balaban and Charles Hayden are talking over each other. Yeah. Those are just some of the the best parts of of any of these movies. Oh man. If I find a single one performance, man, I I actually might go Vincent Price. I think I'm going to say Vincent Price because like I, I love Vincent Price. I don't think I make that clear in all this. Like I I've seen a, a really good handful of his movies. Like I've seen a lot of his stuff. Uh and just, just he just brings such a comfort into any movie he's in. 
and he elevates everything. Like, he takes things the right amount of seriously every single time. And I think that he really does add something to the Tingor that makes it watchable at all. You know, I think without Vincent Hard Price, agree. you get a giant piece of shit. Uh, you know, it would it would be notable for the effects and what and you know the the perceptol and all that. But the reason that this is any kind of like cult classic is because of him. Like his face, his name, his voice. He he brings a lot to any movie he's in. So I, I want to shout him out for this month. And it's not to say I mean like this is a tough decision because Naked Lunch might be Peter Weller's best performance. Like it's very good, you know. It's it's extremely good. I really like the guy playing all the creatures in Naked Lunch too. Yeah. I really love all the actors you named in in Altered States. Um, I I also you know there's an argument to be made for um, uh, fuck, uh, the the actor playing the Monkey Man in uh in Altered oh, States, in Altered States as well. Yeah, yeah, because I yeah, mean, that's true. Because I think he's great, and I think that he he sells something really interesting in that, and I I, I love that weird silent performance of it. Uh, but Vincent Price, I, I have such a love for the guy, and he really does add a lot to the Tingor. His final line, I didn't even say that too. The final line is also straight up referenced in Gremlins, where he says, like, or maybe it's yeah, it, it's it's Price saying it. It's like, hey, if you doubt the Tingor is real, next time you feel it, try not screaming or something that, right like that, right? And then the ending of Gremlins is like, hey, next time you hear a noise in your house, if your washing machine explodes, whatever, you just might have a gremlin. Like, it's, yeah. it's the same sort of idea of you're, now you're leaving the theater being like, do I have a tingler in my back? You know? Is that <laughs> what's happening? Right. Yeah. And fr- from now on, because of the, you know, it's Vincent Price saying that final line, I'm going to think of tinglers. Like, I'm going to be, they're, I'm going to think about them the rest of my life, probably, you know? Or any any movie where I see a person trying not to scream when they're terrified, I'm like, that person's tingles, you know, must be huge right now. So Vincent Price, I love him. Good old VP. We're going to move on to Best Effect. Uh, again, for me, it's a very easy one. Yeah. Uh, the puppetry in Naked Lunch, and I will specifically say the mugwomp sitting at the bar. So good. I just, oh. it's... It's one of the first, like, real crazy ones. Well, you see one of the bugs a little bit before that. But just to get that giant, sticky-looking puppet drinking a weird tropical-looking drink. Ugh. It's great. It's, yes. Phenomenal physicality. The cigarette between the fingers and he's tapping a ticket to enter zone. Yeah, it's so cool. Incredible. Uh, I gotta say Altered States for this one. I think that it, it's it's the one when I think of a head trip movie that's that's like got all the the hallmarks of it for me. Beyond the Black Rainbow has some great stuff, and I would say that that one is a close second just because of the entire aesthetic of that movie is an effect. The and flashback of, and yeah, the, the ego flashback, death stuff, so good. Yeah, that one's close, but I think Altered States for me, it's better integrated into into the movie. Like it, it makes for more compelling film overall because of those segments and they are so trippy and so strange and i would say even like the premise of the movie is an interesting effect because like it's that thing of like it got me to think about some wild stuff and i have not been able to stop thinking about altered states like it is an effect like that type of writing that existential sort of thing it gets at like 
that is really buoyed by the way those trip scenes are shot and edited, especially edited. That's the, that's the big oh, thing totally. for me in that movie is the editing. So right. I'm going to say the trippiness of Altered States is my my effect, best effect. Wonderful. So we have Massacre of the Month, and as we discussed, there's really not a lot of deaths in this. I mean, probably Beyond the Black Rainbow has the most. Right. But we're going to alter it <laughs> just a little bit mm. in... Um, Brain Cell Massacre of the Month. <laughs> and who do we think actually killed the most brain cells during the film that we watched? Ah, uh, man. <sighs> this might be beyond the Black Rainbow for me. Mm. I think because the fact that she's being drugged since birth, you know what I mean? And her entire existence has been one long trip like this well is it that or that she has been you know controlled by that light pyramid yeah. we don't know if that kills any brain cells maybe that just I, that's the other thing oh brainwave God, yeah. activity but also just the in general that movie killed most of my brain cells i think while watching <laughs> it uh you know fair enough fair enough either that or the plot of the tingler you know killed the most brain cells <laughs> this month but i'm gonna i'm gonna keep beyond the black rainbow yeah I think I'm going to go William Hurt because just the amount of times that he does those uh, mushroom liquid, you know, stuff like he does it in Mexico, but then he just keeps yeah. coming back and doing it to the point where Bob Balaban's even like, well, you try to stop him. That's all he wants to do now. He, he did kill enough brain cells to transform into an ape. Like <laughs> he's enough to transform into a single cell organism. Yeah, into a, a screaming worm, like rah, just like screaming in a void. Like that—that that is a lot of brain cells killed, or it's gaining too many brain cells. It's hard to say, honestly. Yeah, mm-hmm. six of one, half dozen of another. But I mean, I mean, it, it's tough. I, I think each each character in this, except for I mean, the characters in the singular, but like the stuff that Bill Lee is doing to himself too, the the way he's fucked his brain up. That one yeah. I'd say is maybe because you know that Burroughs lived actually a pretty long life, you know, and seemed pretty mentally like solid, from what I can tell, <laughs> at his past, even with his insane. He was competent. You know, yeah. Like yeah. He exactly. Was... In control he, he clearly, of his faculties. Clearly, brain cells survived his experiences, yeah. But we both right, good answers. We are going to move on to the seasonal award, which we decided was, who do you want to do <laughs> what drug with? Oh, man, this, so is, you me can, and, I, uh, this is me and Vincent Price, shoot, <laughs> me and Vincent Price shooting mug lump jism, no, no question. Hey, how did you read my mind? <laughs> me and Vincent Price doing shots of mugwumpism. I just want to hear him say mugwumpism. Yeah, I want it to be like that scene in Raiders of the Lost Ark with Miriam, where like, yeah, you know, they're sitting across the table just doing shots. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Back and forth. But there's also a mugwump there that we're just like milking. <laughs> yeah, it's the third at the table. It's me and Vincent Price across from each other, and the mugwumps just sitting there. Leaning over to the shot glasses each way. I love it. If I if I feel so compelled, I might f- try to Photoshop that into reality. You know, <laughs> uh, God, so good. But I mean, like, I uh, <laughs> I wouldn't want to trip with anybody from Beyond the Black Rainbow. Your 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 face is either no. going to explode or going to get your eyes gouged out. Um, and you know, I would love to 
to meet William S. Burroughs at that time yeah. point and do something with him, but I I would probably overdose knowing he'd how probably strong overdose, and his at that stuff time, is. He, he might pull a gun out and shoot you in the head, even accidentally, so, you know, like... That's true. Yeah, something yeah. to think about. Uh, Gotta be careful. And then, uh, it would be pretty pretty bad to trip with uh with the guy from altered state william Earp altered states i mean he may transform into an ape and tear you apart like that's true there's a, there's a risk of him taking a hit of weed and like you know aping out like it you know who knows what might happen but you're just that. so drawn to him due to like that pretty face yeah you're like exactly. okay yeah, okay okay well that's it for april uh we're closing the book no more drugs we're done with drugs yeah forever Banned. drugs are for losers dare <laughs> exactly. um, we're gonna be we're gonna be moving on so for may we are doing uh greg came up with a wonderful theme malian invasion hell yeah i really do love it we're gonna be talking about all things from the stars and <laughs> oh i just thought of another one i could have do i could do instead hey not too late not too late Okay. There's a lot of wonderful options for this one, yeah. There are, and I, because th- goddamn, I, I think the one I had picked would be good. I think the one I'm going to say is even better. We're going to be covering, I don't remember what year it is, but we're going to be covering, because I don't think you've seen it yet, Toby Hooper's Life Force. I have not seen it. Oh, God, yes. I love Toby Hooper. Let's do it. It is so insane, and I cannot wait for us to talk about it next yeah. week on the podcast, Life Force. Yeah, <sighs> come back from Mailing Invasion, folks. It's going to be a lot of fun, I'll tell you. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe anywhere you get this podcast. We have uh, email, weeklypodcastmassacre at gmail.com. We have both Twitter and Instagram, both at weeklymassacre. Uh, we always forget that we should give our letterboxes. I'm Murph and Turf, yeah. and you are G Anderson twenty three or something like that. G Anderson nineteen. Yeah. Okay. G Anderson uh-huh. nineteen. Uh, I, you know yes. we're both pretty active on there. I try to oh, get yeah. everything that I I watch review. I, I I always back up for a few days and then I just go through a marathon of <laughs> posing a bunch in a row. Yeah, as I remember them. But I'm gonna try to I I got to try to write about Bo is afraid now oh, before I i'm excited to read yours yeah uh but yes please hit us up let us know if you have a chair that is hooked up to electrodes mm. if you own a silent movie theater uh, or your wife does and you want to get rid of her <laughs> or if you've ever shot your wife with a blank cartridge please let mm. us know we can forward out any of this information to the authorities where needed but until next time it's not a drug it's an acid. Hmm. <laughs> exactly. Boo. <laughs> we didn't even talk about when he shoots himself up with acid. It's like, oh, 50 micromilligrams. Yeah. I'm going to do 100. Yes. <laughs> Go really pushing the limit. There. Yeah. Insane. All right. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. Bye.